You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Hello, Annie McLaughlin here for Stick Together, a half hour of workers' stories, union news and social justice issues. We come to you from 3CR on the unceded lands of the Kulon Nation with respects to their elders past, present and emerging. We are coming to you on your community radio station on the Community Radio Network. Three reports today. Firstly, we go to Victoria University where the National Tertiary Education Union, the NTEU, has been hit with the announcement of 300 full-time job losses in the second restructure at VU in three years, all during the latest EA negotiations. We hear from the Australian Writers Guild, the AWG, on how the massive strike of writers and now actors in the US affects creative workers in Australia. Finally, we talk with some young internees learning all about unions and organising workers. But first, some union news. United Workers Union members at the Australian Pharmaceutical Industries Limited, API, in Dandenong, Melbourne, went on strike four weeks ago to achieve pay rises to match inflation and equal rates for casual workers. The warehouse in Dandenong, run by Australian Pharmaceutical Industries, distributes stock to Priceline Pharmacies and is now owned by the giant West Farmers conglomerate, which reported a staggering $2.35 billion profit in the 2022 financial year. The workers were after an increase of $2.25 per hour. The good news is that after four weeks on the grass, they have won. API workers have won 7% for first year, 4% for second, 3.5% for the third and 3.5% for the fourth. Uncapped redundancies and payout of sick leave for all Dandenong DC workers made redundant, $800 COVID recognition payment, permanent jobs for casuals who went on strike, protection for injured workers, improved union rights. Union delegate Tracy said that what won the fight was solidarity. I just want to say a big thank you to all my union brothers and sisters that sat on the picket line, the strike fund, everybody that came out. Thank you, right down to the little children and the bubbers and right up to the politicians. I had women say to me, I can't believe I did this. I've ticked this off my bucket list. I didn't even have it on my bucket list, but I've ticked it off. I'm glad I did it. Stick together. 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 You're listening to Stick Together on Community Radio. You're with Annie on Stick Together, workers' stories, union news and social justice issues. On the western side of Melbourne, traditional working class and proud, Victoria University was set up on the bones of the Footscray Technical School. With the passing of time and aspiration, the Western Melbourne Institute of TAFE morphed in 1990 into Victoria University of Technology, VU, 
opening the gateway for university education for the citizens of the West. This history makes it particularly galling that those governing the institution appear to be preparing its demise with the death of a thousand cuts. About three years ago, a restructure that saw the merging of departments and redundancies in a non-transparent process has now led to the present day state of play where the National Tertiary Education Union delegates are now faced with a new round of redundancies while in the middle of protracted EA negotiations. 3CR's Tuesday Breakfast spoke to Fleur Taylor, Vice President for Professional Staff at NTEU's Victoria University branch, about what is happening. Just as a bit of background, um, it's enterprise bargaining season um, at Victoria University. Our agreement expired last year. And, you know, the university has really been sort of taking their time coming to the table in terms of, of bargaining. And out of the blue, suddenly a budget black hole of enormous proportions was discovered and sort of warned about just before we hit the bargaining table. And so we're told that to deal with this 40 million or 70 million, you know, change, depending on who you talk to, black hole in the budget, that... VU has to cut 300 full-time continuing staff members and they're also looking at ending people's six-term contracts sooner than before. Uh, the figure of 16% of staff that you mentioned probably is a percentage across the whole university. According to VU's published annual report figures, 300 ongoing positions is 23% of the permanent workforce at VU. So it's a savage and brutal attack on staffing at VU. You know, what's most sickening about it is that the last meeting that we had with management about this, you know, seeking assurances and commitments from the university that they were not going to, you know, replace um, continuing staff with sessional staff and contract staff and so forth. They refused to make any of those commitments, but they did sort of prance in, gloating about the fact that the, the you know, information site where people could check their entitlements um, and, you know, look, and look at the documents they'd prepared about putting in an expression of interest had received, you know, hundreds of hits and, you know, like they were so excited about the fact that, that people are so ground down and, and disgusted at working for this institution that, they, that, that in this economy, in this climate, you know, they would actually seriously go and check out the the redundancy site and see if it was worth their while. I mean, I think that tells its own story. And I think what is just so sickening about it is that, you know, we've seen a new management come in to VU after the last Vice-Chancellor departed. And, you know, they talked different. They talked, you know, it's all about progressive inclusivity and being a thriving place to work and study and, you know, um, protecting country and all of these kinds of lovely values and, you know, being the University of the West. And, I mean, I think, is this the business model? Is this the corporate challenge that VU puts out to the west of Melbourne as a way to do business? You know, to um, to sack staff, put further pressure on the studying conditions and the education that students in the west of Melbourne get by sacking hundreds and hundreds of staff. After the last restructure and round of redundancies that happened at Victoria University you know, through COVID, like, staff have been at breaking point ever since. There's a rising number of work cover claims and claims to the Human Rights Commission and so forth about the treatment of staff. And, you know, instead of sitting down with staff to kind of find 
creative ways to sort of plan workplaces and deal with workloads. Instead, we've got the same old management bullshit. Keep people in the dark, not tell us, you know, what courses that they're planning to close. Try and, you know, make it sound as though it's everybody's choice to take a redundancy and leave the working conditions for people who are left behind, like, in the gutter. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the last time you were on the show, uh, it was around the time that this same management uh, merged VU's colleges. Uh, and it was a similar situation where there was lack of transparency, uh, almost no consultation. And in fact, the only quote unquote consultation that went on was how to name the new colleges rather than uh you know, whether anyone wanted the merger or how best to do it. Um, can you tell us a bit about the lack of consultation in this huge uh, change as well? Well, yeah, I mean, like, how do you cut 23% of the ongoing workforce and maintain the university as it's going? Like, it's barely running, it's falling over. There are so as in my role as representing professional staff, I'm contacted on an almost daily basis by staff who are so close to breaking point, you know, that, that, they're, that they're desperate, you know, that they feel that they can't take leave, you know, that it's not worth taking leave because, um, you know, that there's nobody to replace them and when they come back, the mountain of work is going to be even greater than that. So, you know, like it's beyond belief that the university cannot be planning to radically change the offering that it has or, you know, close departments, close programs or discontinue things. But every time we try and press them to more detail about, you know, what they have in mind, they're like, oh, no, no, we just want to see what comes out and, you know, like just see how many people want to put their hands up to leave the workplace. And so... You know, the announcement of these 300 redundancies came out of the blue. There was no consultation. There was no warning. It's almost like that the tone of the communications that you get from management has become crazier and crazier, full of this stuff about, like, together for one VU. You know, it's almost <laughs> like Orwellian in nature, you know, like the way that, 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 you know, people just start using these slogans and kind of, like, catchphrases and things like that. And, yeah, so, I mean, consultation, I, I'm not even sure how, oh, I, I mean, how important consultation is. It's more that there's just no, there's no warning and there's, there's, there's no, there's no discussion of reality. There's no facing up to the fact that there has been management blunders. There's a human resources automated system that they spent millions of dollars on and which has never worked from mm -hmm. day one. It's been going for like a year and they still haven't fixed the problems in it and they have had, you know, hundreds of dollar a day consultants working every single day on this for a year to try and fix the thing that they spent multiple millions of dollars on implementing, you know, to replace a system that wasn't even broken in the first place. I mean, this is the kind of thing that they're spending money on and the staff who actually teach students and who give students that experience of being at university are once again targeted for renewal as though we're just like disposable cogs in a machine. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the whole shift from, you know, being the University of the West and um, serving the people that, you know, people who are the first to go to university and their family and people from migrant and refugee backgrounds to just this kind of PR-focused, you know, empty words, um, top-heavy management vibes has been, it's been a huge change in my time there as well. Um, you know, and in addition to the use of consultants, there are also uh, 
uh, outsourcing the service center to to another company so that we can then subcontract VU can subcontract uh, the workers for about thirty percent less pay as well. So. I mean, it's- it's these kinds of corporate tactics and, you know, the use of... Uh, it's really interesting to read all the scandals about, you know, the big accounting firms like PricewaterhouseCoopers and so forth because, you know, like Deloitte is a name that you don't spend much time at VU before you hear. Like, they, they, Deloitte is called in to consult on every little thing under the sun and, you know, we know what the priorities of these big four accounting firms are and how mm. much they charge. Again, this is... You know, so VU has tried to say that sacking of 300 staff or, you know, calling for redundancies of 300 ongoing staff is not a major change under the terms of our agreement. So the NCEU has served a notice and it's likely that this situation is going to end up in the Commission at some point because clearly the union is saying that, you know, this constitutes a major change. This is a, a huge cut to the workforce and how can it not be classed as a major change. I mean, if this isn't major change, what is? <laughs> That's right. And, you know, uh, the importance of that, I guess, is that that while the protections that we have in our current EA aren't as strong as they should be, it does mean that there is further time and the university have present further information about it. We've seen the Vice President for Academic Staff, Matthew Klugman, has gone on record saying that staff have been shell-shocked and incredibly worried about the losses as it could mean a heavier workload for those who remained, which we've seen already happen in 2020, which mm. is only three years ago. So um, we're getting rid of this huge number of staff only three years on from the last round of redundancies. Um, you know, how are we... We as the union planning to help VU staff who do remain and are stuck with this, you know, extensive workload most likely. It's critical now for VU staff who may not be in the union to join the union because the industrial relations landscape in Australia allows us as staff to take industrial action and use the power that we've got to pressure the employer by removing our labour or putting on bans and those sorts of things only when we're engaged in an enterprise agreement process and only members of the union can take that protected industrial action. So if you happen to be or you happen to know a VU staff member listening right now who isn't in the union, now is the time to head to the NTU website, hit the big red join button because I think it's through that process of taking action together and making those connections in the workplace and feeling that the strength and the solidarity that we have together in the workplace after the agreement is signed, it's that kind of sense of collective resistance and solidarity that we have to build on to try and push back locally in, in different areas to win those little gains by using tactics that might fall short of having industrial action but actually use the power of workers collectively united to sort of push back and insist we can't deal with this workload, we're united in this area, you know, managers, you have to find a different way. Some of that, I guess, is also provisions that we're trying to fight for in the enterprise agreement, obviously pay rises given the current economic climate, but things such as, you know, workload committees with teeth, you know, actual mechanisms, actual caps on the endless magic pudding that academics have to dip into, do all the things that are required of them as part of their role as well. So I guess that's a a two-pronged process. You're on Stick Together, workers' stories, union news and social justice issues. 
It would be very difficult not to realise that there is a massive strike of writers and actors going on in the US. Grace from 3CR Wednesday Breakfast spoke with the CEO of the Australian Writers Guild, Claire Pullen, discussing the current situation of the Writers Guild strike, how this affects Australia and our artists. So we're in week 12 now of the strike. As you say, writers in America have been out on strike for quite some time. Mm -hmm. The issue at a, a really sort of high level is what's changed about the market since the streamers came in. And what this has meant is that over time, the wages and conditions of writers have eroded. Uh, and there are some big ticket issues around royalties and residuals, which is essentially how we make a living from our work when it's watched over and over, either the episode of the show or the film, mm-hmm. because that's how a lot of creative workers make a living between gigs, is that income coming in is how you pay the bills. And what the big studios and the streamers are planning to do about AI in terms of using them to replace creative workers. Now, these are issues common to writers and creative workers, not just screen workers, all over the world. Mm -hmm. And it's been a really protracted strike because the studios are not prepared to sit down and do a deal on this. And the development we saw last week is that the Actors Guild, SAG, Mm -hmm. who have very similar issues around pay and royalties and AI, voted to go out on strike as well. So we've now got, I think, the biggest strike in the industry, certainly in the US. These two unions haven't been out together since, I think, the 70s. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's looking like it's going to be quite a protracted strike. When they first went out, the WGA put out what's called their strike rules about what you can and can't do. Mm -hmm. And we spent quite a bit of time working with our members and with the WGA about what the flow-on effects will be here in Australia. Because, as you say, the industrial relations systems are different. We work under an Australian contract. They have American contracts. So we have been uh, working with our members individually when they have questions, and we also have um, strike rules out to say this is okay and this isn't. The reason that we've given that guidance to Australian writers Mm. is that if you cross the picket line, you will never be eligible to be a member of the WGA again, which means you can't work in the US. Now, none of my members want to. Everyone's holding strong and is really clear that we're in solidarity with American writers and that we want them to succeed. And that's why we've got our advice out about what you can and can't do here in Australia. And we have seen a significant uptick in calls to our office, just making sure that people know what they can do. And we think solidarity is really important. And it's not just us. I met yesterday with them one of my international counterparts, all the writers' guilds around the world have taken a position very similar to us in Great Britain and Canada and Europe. Uh, Because of how global our industry is, the streamers are multinationals that operate in every country. The issues are the same. Regardless of where we're at in our bargaining cycles and what our contracts are up to at the moment, at the top level, the, the issues really are the same. Are we being paid enough to feed our families and put a roof over our head? How do we benefit from the creative work that comes from us and not from studio executives? And what are we going to have in terms of an industry 10 or 15 or 20 years in the future with the changes in technology? All of those are issues that affect all of us around the world. Some of our biggest international Australian stars, names people will know, like Chris Hemsworth and Margot Robbie, Mm. these people are union members. And Margot Robbie actually got um, snapped on the... Barbie red carpet going, yep, I'm a member of my guild and when we go out on strike, I'm out. Production um, will stop on 
some of the things being made in the US. And depending on what the deal is, uh, where the money's come from, whether it's done under an Australian or an American contract here, we will see flow-on effects to our production sector here. And it's one of the reasons that everyone is coming together to save the studios. Just do a deal. Uh, As I said, we're now in week 12 Mm. of the writer's strike in the US. At week seven, so halfway now, more or less, the strike had already cost the studios more money than it would have cost them to pay the writer's claims in full. I think it's been about 50 years since they've been out together. And I think it shows you both how serious the issues are, but also how much uh, writers in the industry have in common with actors, but also with composers and sound designers and lighting engineers and the crew, when it fundamentally comes down to things like, are you being paid enough to feed your family? Those are issues that don't discriminate by which particular craft you're in. AI is definitely one of the things that the guilds want to negotiate around and the studios are really digging their heels in about. So I'll give you an example of what AI could do to an actor's career. So what the studios want to do is if you're a background actor, if you're an extra in, say, a crowd scene, what they want to be able to do is capture your image and your likeness and store it and then use it in future films without your consent, sometimes without your knowledge, and you could be a virtual and AI extra in the background of 50 films, perhaps films you wouldn't have chosen to be in if you've been asked about what the content was, and you will only be paid one day's work. So they're looking to do that sort of work, taking people's creative output, digitising it and using it in the future without paying for it or without even their consent. So it's a really big issue across all Mm. the creative workers in the screen industry and others more broadly, but it's really acute at the moment in screen. You're on Stick Together, workers' stories, union news and social justice issues. Earlier this month, I went down to Victoria Trades Hall to talk with some of the young people taking part in a two-week internship to learn about unions and union organising. Here is what they had to say. Could you just introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, My name's Chloe. And your name? My name is Syra. Now, you're part of an internship. Can you give me an idea of what this has meant to you? Yeah, sure. So we've done an internship called Union Winter through the Young Workers Centre and Trades Hall. Um, So it's just really important um, getting our experience within the union workplace and understanding how unions work just so we can uh, continue to foster the union movement amongst young people. Yeah, why did you do this? Um, I've always been passionate about the union movement, um, really understanding how important it is for young people to stand up for their rights as they are a highly exploited group within the workplace. And what about you, Sarah? So I'm not very educated or informed about unions, so this was a really important um, step for me to actually educate myself and stand up for myself because I've worked in retail where I've gone through a lot of things but I didn't know what my rights are or I couldn't stand up for myself but now I'm getting more educated and now I know that I should have done things. Yeah and and what about you what's your work experience? Um, so I've worked in both retail and hospitality um, and you know as as Syrah as well I've also experienced wage theft and among, amongst other poor working conditions so yeah it's just really important to be educated and have that knowledge. Yeah it's very hard isn't it once you realise that you're being exploited I mean it's sort of you think to yourself, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? What, what am I going to do? Absolutely. And, you know, being educated and having the Young Workers Centre there um, to have that free avenue for um, young workers to 
have that legal advice and just general advice about the, the proper conditions that they're supposed to be having is such a, a useful resource that I wish more young people knew about. But also it's about uh, feeling supported personally. Yeah. As a young person, I mean, you discover that you're being underpaid or that someone's pushing you around because they think they can. Mm-hmm. Um, you're in a workplace, you're thinking to yourself, well, you know, they can just fire me because they don't need me here um, if I've got a problem. Uh, but it's also about learning to be assertive without being... And assertive doesn't mean sort of aggressive. Mm. Yeah, like especially working in retail, like I experienced wage theft and I didn't know how to speak up because I was scared, like I'm going to lose my job or they're just going to treat me differently or they're going to cut down my shifts because it did happen. I did not get paid right and I told them about it and they didn't do anything about it. They just sent send me to another manager and that manager sent me to another one. So it's been years and I still haven't heard from it. So I just let it go. I'm like, oh, it's okay. It doesn't matter. But that's the thing. It does matter. We should have the right to speak up for ourselves and be informed about it. Sounds like you work for a large organisation. I do. I did work for a large organisation for six years. Well, that's really interesting, isn't it? Um, so uh, often it's uh, thought that it's all about small uh, concerns, but it's this systemic. That's what mm-hmm. you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. I worked also for a large organisation, um, one of the biggest retailers in the world. And um, yeah, they owed me about $700 in unpaid wages um, from my two years of working there. Um, but yeah, it is, it's not only a small business problem, it's also like a systemic and large organisation problem as well. So what have you learnt? What have you been doing? So I have learnt a lot of things because I don't know, I didn't know what a union was, what my rights were or what the steps I could do to actually like stand up for myself so that's really important I think I've learned how to do that and also like learning what um the pre-existing policy I think a lot of new employees or new work young workers they don't know about that so they join too late and then they, they can't actually help them so it's important for them to be informed about this and join like before anything wrong happens or if their rights are violated. Okay and since you didn't know about uh, unions and you were just angry internally angry um how did you actually know about the internship? So I've actually learned about this from a tutor. So at university, he was very, he's very um, vocal about his, like, he's very passionate as well. He was talking about it and I just asked him a few questions and he informed me like, hey, there is this internship coming up, you should get involved. And, you, and then that's how I got in, in touch and I just get, kept going back and forth and that's how I got here. Yeah, genuine people player. Yeah. What about you? Um, I got involved um, through some friends that did the Union Summer and the Union Winter Program last year um, and they kind of saw how active I was in the political space and, and how passionate I was about the union movement in general and but wanted more information and hungry for answers um, and so they kind of like said, you know, there's this amazing opportunity, you should really go for it and, and here I am. Yeah, yeah, and you actually get paid because they call it an internship. Absolutely, so it is a paid internship. Um, they pay us for all of the days that we are attending both the unions and trades hall um, would be a little bit ironic if they didn't <laughs> yeah yeah well that's what I was thinking but it's a, for a couple of weeks isn't it yeah so the the union summer program is three weeks the union winter program is for two weeks yeah okay and it's only in Victoria I believe so yeah it's only a Victoria thing which um, makes us very lucky <laughs> yeah yeah um, perhaps uh, people listening to this could um, get uh, a young workers centre in other states Absolutely. that's it for stick together this week If you want to catch up with our program, the podcast is available at 3cr.org.au or at your favourite podcast site. You can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com. My name's Annie McLaughlin. Remember, 
wherever you are, whatever you do, there's a union for you. And until next time, stick together. And gather round Let me tell you how it all went down When a bunch of libertarians came to town To build their own utopia They had a certain certainty Doubt never bothered them, no siree They lived on logic and liberty In the green hills of New Hampshire Die trying, you might get eaten by a mountain lion. This old world is gonna leave you crying, so live free. Try to live free. They took control of the situation, banned all the rules and regulations. There will be no more taxation in their vision of utopia So no one came to mend the roads Street lights faded and the library closed And when the garbage overflowed Bears came sniffing round Next thing folks started losing their cats Nothing in the garden but a fresh bear scat There's a certain logic in acting like that When you're Top of the food chain Now there's a moral to this affair If you leave everything till they say fair you may have to wrestle with a bear in the back streets of Utopia Cause freedom can look like something else A place where everybody has to fend for themselves Or pretty words trying to cover the smell of the stale stench of indifference Living on logic sounds real good But people never act the way you think that they should Bears don't always shit in the wood and freedom listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.